Welcome. Good morning, church. It's really good to be here. I'm really grateful that I'm here. I get to share the message with you today. Um, If you are a first-time guest, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, Even if you're just visiting from another Adventist church, we're so grateful that you're here as well. If you're a first-time guest and maybe you're here because you've got questions about church, questions about God, or challenges about faith, we are so glad that you're here because we are at the ground level of building this place for you. And we may not get it right initially, but we're going to wrestle through it and we're going to fail our way to success. So we're grateful that you're here. And if you're comfortable, we would love for you to come up to me or to one of our leaders and just give us some feedback on your experience here today. And we can take that on board because we are trying to be a church, that uh, a place where unchurched people love to attend. But we are going to need our Bibles today. So if you've got your Bibles, fantastic. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand nice and high and we will bring a Bible to you. If you do not know your way around a Bible, that's fine. I'm preaching from the same Bible that's being handed out and I will call page numbers and you'll be able to follow along and I'll guide you right through. So our Bibles are just coming through now. If you don't know your way around a Bible, I'm preaching from the same Bible, so you'll be able to follow along as I read. If you brought your own Bible, let me see them. Oh man, that's growing. I love it. Whether it's a technology or a, a, a Bible, that's, it's all good to me. It's all the same. I'm running on the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit today, church. We had um, Super Fridays last night, um, which is always a big event for us. And um, I don't get home till, till early stages of the morning after, you know, clean up and, and, and stuff like that. And it's really good because it's for the young people and I love serving the young people. Um, but with my new role here at the Haven Campus Church, I thought about us. I thought about you and I thought about my family and, and where I should prioritize my time. And so I've announced to the Super Fridays team that this will be my final year um, with them uh, because I want to concentrate on us here and concentrate on Ignite um, and the various clusters that we have in our church. And so we, we met this in January and we're already working towards an exit strategy for when I'm gone and I'm, I'm, I'm finished with Super Friday. So we're working towards that plan. Um, and so we have a meeting also straight after the program. We're going to have lunch, break bread together. If you've brought your own lunch, if you didn't bring your lunch, we, I've got plenty of lunch. So um, you can have some of my lunch, man. It's, it's, it's salad. Yes, salad. <laughs> Honestly, I swear to you, it is salad with a whole chicken in it. So um, <laughs> you're welcome to it. You're welcome to it. Um, just before we get into the word, let us pray. Gracious Father in heaven, Jesus, your only Son, and eternal Spirit, just speak to us. Rid me of myself and fill me with your Holy Spirit. So lead me, guide me, and walk before me, and I will follow. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. We're going to look at the gospel. The gospel is... Um, it's an understanding that should be central to the Christian faith. Um, when I was baptized in 1999 with Renee, my wife, and we were baptized in a, in a fairly conservative church. But in 1999, when I got baptized, you think to yourself, you're going to do everything good and you're going to be this powerhouse Christian. 
But from 1999 after my baptism, I did the worst sinning that I've ever done in my life. Like it was just crazy. I went off the rails. And um, it wasn't until 2008, Renee and I, we had a, um, a, a car audio business in Katara in Newcastle. And so my circle of friends, every time I would listen to them and talk to them, they would say, man, you're like a, a spiritual mentor to me. And I'm like, a spiritual what? Like, I'm messed up right now. Like, I can't be that spiritual person for you. And so I partied hard. Um, I, I was a father and uh, I was very drunk, very high. And I came home as I normally did at about three or four in the morning as a Christian. Right? I'm a baptized Christian into the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I get home and I go to bed as I do. And I hear this voice call my name. And I turn to Renee and I wake her up and I said, hey, man, did you call me? And she goes, I didn't call you. You're just drunk. Just go to sleep, you drunk, you know. And I was like, all right, fine, fair enough. So I went back to try to go back to sleep. And then, you know, it was, again, I felt this impression. I don't know, I don't know how to explain this church. So I'm just going to share it because I don't know exactly how to explain it. And so I felt that impression again, somebody calling my name. And I realized, I remember the story as a kid, you know, Samuel. So I thought, well, maybe it is God, or maybe I am too high, and I'm just hearing things. And so I decided, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my knees, and I'm going to pray a prayer. And so I got to my knees, and I prayed the prayer, and I said, Father, if this is you, I am too drunk, I am too high. Please take it out of me so that I can hear you. And like that. I heard him. And it was clear. It was go to Avondale, be a pastor. I have a work for you to do. Gone. How does that happen? I don't know. I cannot explain it. But this is what I can tell you. That morning when Renee woke up, I was grinning from ear to ear. You could still smell last night's partying, but I wasn't affected from last night's partying. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? God told me something. She's like, what? What did God say? God says, I need to go to Avondale and I need to become a pastor. And he has a work for me to do. And Renee goes, about time. (laughs) You know, about time. (laughs) And what I'm sharing that story is, is not for the stuff that I was doing, but what met me in my room that night wasn't the church. It wasn't any teaching. What met me in my room was the gospel. That was what changed this violent, prideful heart was the gospel. And so we're going to look at the gospel and what it is and what it entails. And if you are a a first-time guest, this is a great sermon for you because you can get to understand what's central to the Christian faith. If you have been an Adventist for more than 10 years, um, then the gospel is a good Um, teaching to understand as well because from my experience looking um, at the journey of many Adventists is we are well versed on our beautiful and holistic fundamentals all 28 of them but we lose our understanding when it comes to the gospel and so for me I wanted to lay four foundations for us when I first preach I've done three this is the final one and the final one I want to get across is the gospel and here's the thing We need to understand what sin is to understand what the gospel is. Because if you have an inadequate understanding of sin, then you will have an inadequate understanding of the gospel. 
And if you have an inadequate understanding of sin, then what happens is you begin to itemize sin. And if you itemize sin, you will itemize righteousness. And what that means is you become a Christian that tries to tick the boxes. Well, I didn't swear that much today. I sent my wife a text. I'm a great guy. But this little thing that I get to hide from people that no one gets to see and and no one hears. And as long as no one sees that, I'm a great Christian. So, yeah, pat myself on the back. We need to understand what sin is. And that's what we're going to look at here today. And so what is sin? It's going to come up on the screen. Sin is separation from God. Sin is not to believe in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in him, the way to the life, it's a sin. The Bible also tells us that sin is lawlessness. That it's transgressing, which is just the word that you break God's law. Sin is also slavery. This is the one that gets me. It means that this sin that lives in us makes us a slave to do what's wrong. So if you're in a crossroad where you know what you should do and and over here is what you shouldn't do, naturally in us, we gravitate to what's wrong because we are slaves to sin. And James 4.17 tells us that it is not to do what is right, although we know what should be done. This one hurts because if you see something and you know what should be done because it's right, but you don't do anything, it's a sin. It's a sin. And so we need to understand sin in order to understand the gospel. And who is a sinner? All islanders? No. (laughs) Everyone's a sinner. Whether you're a believer or not, you're a sinner. And I'm going to explain this as we move forward. What's the consequence of sin? The consequences of sin is pain, suffering, sickness, and death. And we hate these things. We don't want to ever experience these things, but that is the consequences of sin. And so to unpack sin, if you're a first-time guest or new to church or new to Christianity, the question that will be pounding your head is, well, it's not my fault that this sin lives in me. How did this thing get into me? I don't want to live like this, but why has this thing got in me? That's a fair question. And we're going to look at that. So turn with me to Romans 5. Romans 5, we're going to begin at chapter, uh, Romans 5 verse 12. For those that have the Bible that were handed out, we're looking at page number 907. Page number 907, Romans 5, we're looking at verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12, page number 907. If you got the Bibles that were handed out, you can see a big six on page 907. It's on the left column, the first verse underneath where it's got the title, Adam and Christ Contrasted. If you are there, give me a mm-hmm. Dean, that was good, Dean. You said that so cool. All right, follow along, church, as I read. It says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Let me read it again. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world and Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. 
Now, let's look at this text. Keep your finger in that page. One of the things that's really clear in this text is, is that sin and death was not a part of the original plan. They are outside intruders that came into this world, earth, right? Outside intruders that came in. We can see that in the text. The other thing we need to see is, is that Adam sinned. And so Adam's sin is unique to the human history because his sin brought death into this world, right? And so the other thing we want to notice is this. Adam's sin brought the power of sin, but then this power brought another power, death, into this world, right? Now, Adam's sin, notice how it wasn't Adam's sin that was spread to everyone. What spread to everyone? Death. We must catch that. It wasn't Adam's sin that spread to everyone. Paul says it was, Adam, it was death, this power of death that spread to everyone. So we are not charged with Adam's sin, right? That Adam was charged for, that, for his sin. But when sin came into this world, another power came in, which was death. And that's what spreads to us. That's the consequence of sin. If you, um, let's go to verse 15 of Romans 5. It says this, follow along as I read. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. It's a gift, the gospel. How do we get this gift? Verse 17 says that for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and the other power, death, through this one man, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? It's a wonderful gospel. How do, you re- how do you get this gift? You have to receive it. So if you're, you know, if you're not a churchy or Christian, how you get this gift is to believe that Jesus Christ, make him your Lord and Savior, and then you can receive this gift. What's this gift? Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 1.30, he says that God united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be the wisdom. This gospel has not got nothing to do with us. It is totally the wisdom of God, right? And so these are the three things we get because we accept this gift from God. We get these three things. We get Christ made us right with God. Everyone say right with God. He made us pure and holy. Say pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Everyone say, freed us from sin. These things are three big theological terms. But if you're new to church, I'm targeting you. So I'm just going to take my time and we're going to unpack this thing. To be right with God is this theological term, justification. To be pure and holy is this process called sanctification. And to be free from sin, this power, is called glorification. Now, justification is simply a legal term. Um, If you're in a court 
Anyone here been? No, jokes. Don't put your hand up. <laughs> if you've ever been to court, I've been to court, right? And you, you stand there and everyone's looking at you and, and the judge has the right to find you guilty or find, set you free, okay? And if he sets you free, you've been justified. And because of Jesus, um, Jesus' righteousness, we are now justified before the Father. The point I want to make with justification, it happens in a moment. So if you knew and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you are justified instantly, right? Pure and holy, sanctification is a work of a moment as well. And it happens simultaneously when you are justified before God. Glorification is this free from sin. That This happens at a time when God sends Jesus and says, Now, go, get my people. And Jesus comes, knowing as the second coming, he returns, he takes us, and all the effects of sins are no more. As we read in Revelation 21, 4, it tells us that there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more mourning, and we're looking forward to that day. That's glorification. But glorification happens at a later date, but that also happens in an instant, right? Because in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. So we are justified, we are sanctified, and we are glorified because of Jesus Christ. I want to illustrate something. And I need you to raise your hand, okay? How many believe in your minds that God is a good God and wants the very best for you? Raise your hands. All right? The majority of us. Good. How many of you feel that God is accomplishing good things through you? Raise your hand. Uh, Not as many. Okay. How many believe that God is love because the Bible says so? Raise your hand. Many of us. How many feel loved by God? Raise your hand. Oh, that's about the same. Awesome. How many believe that Jesus' death washed us clean from our sins? Raise your hands. That's a lot of us. How many feel completely holy? Raise your hands. Two. Two hands. Okay. How many believe that Jesus has risen from the dead and now has all authority to do whatever he wants? Raise your hands. Okay. Many of us. How many of you believe that you can live as victorious as Jesus did every day? Raise your hands. Okay. How many feel completely holy was two people raise their hands? And I knew that would happen because we get justification. We get glorification. But we wrestle with sanctification. We wrestle with it. We don't know what to do with it. But the Bible says you are pure and you are holy. Now, the moment you accept Jesus, you are pure and you are holy. But we go on what we feel. And we can't raise our hands to say that I am pure and holy. You know why? Because we don't truly understand this process of sanctification. Let's imagine that all the way down there in the endless future, somewhere is sin. And over here is God. And when I am born, I'm born here and I'm close to God because I was made in the image of God. And so there's God, sins over there. I journey through my life. And then 2008, as I shared right at the beginning, in my room, I totally understand the gospel. 
I accept the gospel, receive it, pray it into me, and I believe it. Now, at this point, I am justified, I am sanctified, and I know in the future I'm going to be glorified. Here's what we struggle with sanctification. The moment we justified, we are now on this pathway back to God. That's the sanctification process, right? Making us into the image of Jesus Christ, being Christ-like. So our path at justification, we're not going towards sin anymore. We are heading towards the Father. And so this is the process of sanctification. We're heading towards God. But we're messing up. I'm saying the wrong things when someone cuts me off. I'm... I don't know why God always brings these bad things into my mind when I'm preaching. I'm jumping out of the car, yelling at other drivers when they drive ungospel-like. I'm yelling at my family because I had a bad day. I do all these things that are bad and they're big mistakes. But sanctification, you're constantly walking back to the Father. Because here's the thing. Positionally, we are sanctified. God says, I see you as pure and holy. Positionally, that's where we at. But practically, we are still working it out. But we're sanctified. Do you get that? Justification, we are sanctified. God sees us as sanctified. He's justified us. But practically, we're still trying to work it out. But we remain pure and we remain holy in the sight of God because of the gospel. Isn't that good? And so the, I, I found this text last year. It was 1 Peter 1 verses 10 and 12. And it said that the angels, these immortal beings, constantly are consumed about these things. What are these things? Well, as you look at that text, these things is the gospel. That these immortal beings can't get enough. They are totally consumed about the gospel. And so what I want our church is to have a culture of constantly renewing and rediscovering the gospel. Because understanding the gospel is what grows you in your spiritual journey with God. Because the gospel understanding, you can stand here with confidence that you are justified, that you are sanctified, and you're waiting to be glorified, but you're still practically trying to work it out. But look at what it does to the power that we unpack. The power of sin that we look, the enslavement, and the effects of sin. God wipes all of these things out, right? He justified us. He sanctified us. He glorified us. Now... Next week's sermon is called Sufficient, and we're going to look at what it looks like to be a church grounded in the gospel. The very next sermon is Eternal Conflict, and we're going to look at this. We're going to unpack the gospel even more. We're going to have a narrow focus to it. But this is what I need you to believe, church. I need you to believe this. We are justified before we are qualified. We are accepted before we are acceptable. We are trusted before we are trustworthy. We are perfect while, everyone say while, while we are being perfected, 
That's our position in God because of the gospel. You say the yellow words, but you say I, not we, all right? Here we go. Oh, no, I have to say I. I'll say you. Here we go. You are before you are. You are before we are. You are. You are before you are. You are perfect. Say it again. We are, or you are, being perfected. Isn't God good, man? That's the gospel right there. You know? This is what transformed my life, and this is what will transform our church. This is what will enable and encourage and empower us to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. Is when we get the gospel. When we get the gospel. Let me retract because this is the last sermon for this series. We first looked at that mission is not the preeminent responsibility of the church. Worship is. We then looked at um, the institution. That the most important institution is not the church. It is the family. Last week we looked at the towel versus the robe. And no one is perfect to play the role of the robe. So therefore, we are not to cast judgment. We don't understand why people are doing silly things. We just got to love them and just encourage them on this sanctification process. And today, we want to be grounded in the gospel so that we can understand our true identity in God because of Jesus Christ. But as Kaylee read, it's the Holy Spirit that will continue to perfect us and lead us into the right direction as we head towards God again. You are justified. You are sanctified. You are pure and holy. And one day, one day, God is coming back with Jesus Christ. And on that day, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be glorified. It says our our minds will be renewed and we will have new bodies and I hope I get Cran's body. If I can get Grant's body, my wife will be like, mm-hmm. And I pray for that day. 